0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the show. Today, we are going to talk about the Star Wars Special Editions, for those of you who are old enough to even remember what that is. Join me in a minute as I share some new insights. See you momentarily. (laughs) Hello, everyone. My name is Brennan Marr. That noise you're hearing is my ventilator. And welcome to Only What You Take With You, presented by page turners. They were not my Star Wars podcast. OK, folks, let us cast our minds back to 1997. In 1997, George Lucas released the Star Wars Trilogy trilogy Special Edition, in which there were some, shall we say, minor modifications. And at the time, and in, the, in former days, those minor alterations were a big deal. Now, for the sake of simplicity, when I use the phrase special editions, I will be referring to all the changes made in 90, 1997 with the special edition. In 2004, with the DVD release, and in 2011 with the Blu-ray release. And also, if you so desire, we will include the McClunky edit. That was not made by Disney, but made by George Lucas before he sold Lucasfilm to Disney. Okay, let us discuss this. Now, many of you who are listening will have grown up watching the more recent versions of the movies and will not care. so much about the changes. It is the same, I believe, with the prequel trilogy. Those who grew up with it and those who have re-examined it are no longer crafting on it the way they used to. There was a time when the fandom or at least the loud members of the fandom, were loudly complaining not only about the prequels, but about the Star Wars Trilogy Special Editions. Now, before we continue with this discussion, I want to get a couple of things out of the way. There are only two changes to the Star Wars trilogy that I don't like. One is Jabba the Hutt appearing in A New Hope. The writing of the scene is redundant, because we already learned everything we need to know in the scene with Garrido. And CGI Java doesn't look very good, okay. The second one is the Jedi Rock's dance number in Java's palace, I think quite frankly is awful. I think the song is awful, and I think the CGI is awful. Okay, okay. Let's get that out of the way. Those are the two that I don't like. Everything else, I'm okay with. Now, for those who don't remember, the dance scene in Java's Talos in the original cut was a fantastic song called Lefty Neck. Lefty Neck. Incredible tune incredibly fun to listen to all of the other changes i like or am okay with one that i particularly like is the music at the end of returning of the Jedi*. i don't wish to offend anyone but i don't like the song give Note. so I'm glad they changed it. Okay. So that's out of the way. All right. Now, let me just say a few more words, then we'll take a break. One of the things that happened during the time, and some fans in some corners of the internet still complain about this, saying things like, George Lucas doesn't have the right to change his movies. Well, I was certainly of that opinion once upon a time. I would even go so far, and I'm sure many people did, to get the critically saying, directors shouldn't have the right to change their movies oh except for that director's cut and that director's cut and that director's cut you know what i mean it's a sense of hypocrisy to say that it's okay for peter jackson to release the extended edition of lord of the rings which did feature some alterations to scenes that were in the theatrical cut. And then on the flip side say, so Lucas doesn't have the right. Okay, so let's get that out of the way. That's kind of hypocritical. And the other thing to end on this part of the discussion is For me personally, I think he has every right. That doesn't mean you have to like it. But he has the right as the director. Lucasfilm was a privately owned studio an independent studio. He's the boss. He has the right just like any other director. Now I realize we are ripping off the band-aid. There are some fans listening who still get very easily incensed when discussing the special edition saying George Lucas ruined it and things like that. Well, let me be clear, the original Star Wars Trilogy is 99% the same as it was when it came out. The changes are minor. Even though people made a mountain out of a molehill, people made a much ado about nothing. In my opinion, the last thing I'll say in this part is I think the mistake, is it just me, that George Lucas made was not releasing all versions and say you as the audience member Get to choose which one you want to watch. That's what every other movie has done if there is a director's cut. But George Lucas didn't want people watching the other versions. And that, I think, is morally wrong. However, we are not here to bash George Lucas. We are not here to make blanket statements about what a director has the right to do, or rather what they should do. I should, let me rephrase that. They have the right to alter their film. But we are not here to make blanket statements about what he should do. And we are not here to bash on the special edition. Bashing on the Star Wars special edition, in my opinion, falls in the same category as bashing the prequels. And if I may use a crude phrase, it's beating a dead horse. It's been done. We've had this discussion. So when we come back, let me discuss with you what I think are some of the positives in the special edition versions of the Star Wars original trilogy. See you in a minute. Okay, we are back. Now, those of you who are still listening, as some of you might have left following my previous statement about the good things in the special edition. Now, really quick the special editions are all that has existed for a long time now. And there are many people where that's all they know. We older fans, including myself, and this goes for the prequels as well, sometimes need to take a step back and say we do not own Star Wars, and as a result, we are no longer the dominant voice in the fandom. Many of us, and I know I've done this, have behaved very entitled and believe that Star Wars is ours. And that nobody likes the prequels. And that nobody likes the special editions. Because that's what we surrounded ourselves with. Generations now. Two generations. Three, if you count some of my generation who came late to the party. I've grown up with only the Special Editions. So let's talk about what some things might make them superior to a degree. Or rather, maybe if you don't want the word superior, but what I enjoy. Let's go back to the beginning. I love getting to see Musley in a new home. To see that it is a more bustling town. Now, now I I know that the the esteemed my esteemed fellow pundit Robert Meyer Burnett disagrees with me on this, but... Now, in the original cut, Mos likely looked kind of boring. You didn't see much of the town. It felt there any, you know, truck stop in the middle of nowhere. And yet, you go in the cantina, and there's all these exotic aliens. Now, the special edition makes plus Lazy seem bigger, more crowded. You see lots of spaceships flying overhead. You really get the feeling that, yeah, now it makes sense why there's so many exotic aliens in the cantina. It's because this is like the place. It still feels a little bit run down. You know, it feels very kind of seedy. I wouldn't want to be there. Now, Luke, you know, talks disparagingly about Tatooine. But he kind of lives out in the middle of nowhere. And it seems to imply that he's never been to Mos Eisley. He hasn't seen the bustling downs. But anyhow, I like that there is more life to Mos Eisley. I like that we get to see some really neat shots of the Falcon taking off. I like the, during the, the, the X-Wing, fight on the Battle of Yavin at the end, the Battle at the Death Star, there are a couple of shots that are CG, but they fit right in. Like I said, it is 99% the same movie, just with a few additions here and there, which I don't see why it's a big deal. Most of it's the same. We go to Empire Strikes deck. Getting to see the wampa in full form. In a suit that actually looks good. I like that. I know that some people refer the mystery of not seeing the wampa. But it always looked a little bit cheesy the way that he go. You know, he was moving toward Luke, but you only saw his torso. I know it's a it's a Jaws kind of effect, but for me, I like to see the full suit. I do like that they replaced the Emperor. Um, I do like the look and the dialogue of the original scene. With Vader speaking to the Emperor. Now, I did delve into that in an earlier podcast. So I won't get into it here, but they changed the dialogue and they insert in the pyramid into the special edition. And I like the change of the dialogue because I realize it is duplicity. Vader is pretending that he didn't know Luke was his son. Or that he had never heard of it. He's like, oh, uh. Oh, how can I have a son? That's not possible. Even though, on his own, on his, in his own secret mission, he's looking for it. So, he, he and ba- the Emperor are kind of playing a Sith game being duplicitous, and I do like that. And I like that Ian McDermott now is in another Star Wars film to create that continuity of the Emperor. I like seeing a little bit more Cloud City. That's kind of neat. Yet again, most of what we see is the exact same. And most of what we see is fantastic. And, uh, For anybody wondering at home, they did not, George Lucas did not do anything to the Battle of Hoth or the Battle of Endor in Return of the Jedi. Other than give the movie a digital cleanup. Yeah, just a visual remastering. Which they do to all movies nowadays, all old movies. He did nothing. He did not touch the visual effects in the Battle of Hoth or the Battle of Endor because he was satisfied with it. Other than adding the exploding ring coming out of the Death Star in uh, Return of the Jedi. Which he also did in A New Hope, which I think is okay. Um, you know, Return of the Jedi, I... Like a lot of people, I didn't like the beak coming out of the Sarlacc kit. But now that Book of Boba Fett episode where the beak comes out of the Sarlacc and attacks Slave One, and they blow it up with a seismic charge, now I like the beak and the extended tentacles. Also, if anyone's wondering, they did not do any CG. Do the puppet Jabba the Hutt? or Yoda as a puppet that is untouched. That is untouched Eighty special effects. Some of the greatest ever put to screen. And the big one folks, the big one, I like seeing Hayden Christensen as Anakin Skywalker as the ghost okay now we could talk about why it might be a problem or why it might not be but we'll save that for another episode i do like seeing that because now with the love of the prequels abounding that is very meaningful for a lot of fans and I've come to accept it. I've come to accept Hayden Christensen as Anakin Skywalker. At the time when that change was made, it was in the middle of the prequels when old fans like me were yelling and screaming about how much we didn't like it. And as I said, I like the music change at the end of the... the Return of the Jedi, and I also like seeing all the planets around the galaxy celebrating the defeat of the Emperor. I love that. Okay, those are the things that I love, and honestly as I said, 99% the same movies, the same emotions, the same thrills, the same impact. And that is the last I think I will ever talk about the special editions. Because like them or not, they're here to stay and for a whole generation that is Star Wars. And I have come to accept it. And yes, there are things in it I don't like. Yes, there are things that maybe don't make a lot of sense to me but I like I really do so those are my thoughts on the special editions that encompasses all the changes ever made because I think that it does not remove the quality of those movies my name is brennan Marr that noise you're hearing is my ventilator and thank you for tuning in to only what you take with you presented by page turners they were not my star wars podcast may the force be with you